hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. verses 1 and 2. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. May God bless reading of his word. Good morning. Shelter in place. Let's talk about that. How has that been for you? Would you call that a good and a positive experience? Or was it a frustrating experience? Was it a fearful experience? Um, Has it been full of uncertainties? I think it's been all of that, and it still is, because we're human. We're susceptible. We can't fix things, and we don't know who or what to believe. So, let's talk about Jesus and shelter in place. And the word became flesh and sheltered in place among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's who to believe. There's who to trust. There's who shelters with us and whom we can shelter with. He told Moses, because God wants to dwell with us, he wants to shelter with us, and we saw that for the very first visual time when he told Moses that he wanted the Israelites to build a sanctuary, a tabernacle, so that he could dwell. I'm going to place dwell and shelter in place opposite each other over and over. And so they did. 
because God wanted them to be his people, and he said, I will be your God. John 1.14 tells us why. Because he wanted us to behold his glory and his grace and his truth. During COVID, our family read this book, Brucko, by Bruce Olson. In the 60s, he is a man that just felt a calling to go to South America, actually to go to Colombia. And he knew that God was telling him that there was a tribe of Indians he was supposed to minister to. And so he went. He didn't know the language. He didn't know the country. Nothing. He just went. And I tell you, if you want a good book to read, it is really an excellent one. So many miracles happened. The first thing that happened was him meeting another tribe, and he knew it wasn't the right tribe. They took him in. They were nice. They were a great tribe, but he knew they weren't the ones. And when he heard about this tribe, he knew it was. They were violent. They had been cannibals. That was the tribe he was supposed to go to. And he did, and he miraculously lived because they were violent. Um, He almost died from diseases. He almost died at their hands, but God kept him, obviously. He lived with them for more than a year before he even learned their language. So he's just dwelling with them. He's just sheltering in place with them. He's laying in the hammocks in their longhouses. He's eating whatever they bring in from the jungle. He's just learning who they are before he can learn their language, which is a tonal language. That was why he was having difficulty with it. When he finally learned their language, he was walking the jungle trails with them, And they told him, as they were seeing some ants on the trail, about the ant god. They told him this legend, and the legend was that the ant god looked down and he saw the ants, and the ants were in confusion, and he knew that they needed help. And so he went to help them, and they were afraid of him. He couldn't help them because they they wouldn't listen. They were so afraid. And so he thought, I guess that I need to become an ant to help them. And so he did. He became an ant. They accepted him. They changed. The help was appreciated then. They could see from this ant god that became an ant that the ant god was not to be afraid of. And of course, Bruce Olson took that legend and immediately applied it to Jesus. And they came to love Jesus and to know that Jesus walked their jungle trails with them. That is exactly what we see of Jesus coming to dwell with us. Our call to worship was Psalm 84.1. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. That whole psalm is talks about living with Jesus. Even if you're a bird, you've got a place in his tabernacle where you can sanctuary and dwell and shelter with him. When I first read that psalm, it took me by surprise because I love words. And when I read it and it said, how lovely are your dwelling places, that plural in my Bible, not all Bibles have that, caught my curiosity. And so I looked it up in the Hebrew. And it means the gospel, basically. It means a shepherd's hut a pasture or a field, 
the grave, the tabernacle, and the temple. Jesus came and he dwelt in a shepherd's hut, in a stable. The first place that he lived here on earth was the lowliest place. He wanted us to know he will experience everything with us. When he began his ministry, he walked the fields, the pastures, the land of Galilee, the land of Samaria. And he told his disciples he didn't have a place to lay his head because he was dwelling with people. He was where we were, and he wanted to help. And, of course, we know that that led to his ultimate goal because we're sinners and we can't fix ourselves and we're susceptible to sin He had to take our sin on himself and die. The grave was his dwelling place, and he has made the grave not a scary thing. We're human. We all know that inevitably what we're going to have happen to us is death. But it's not a death to be afraid of anymore because he took that second death. Now we just get to sleep and wait for him. And finally... When he resurrected, his dwelling place is heaven, is God's presence again. And when we go to heaven, it tells us in Revelation there is no temple because God and the Lamb are its temple. We get to dwell and shelter in place with our Savior for eternity What's really humbling to me is that after all of that, you know, he wanted to dwell with the Israelites in the tabernacle. Well, after his death, he let us know we, we are his temple. And he wants to dwell right inside of us. He wants to shelter right there, constantly in communion with us. That's a God I can trust. Is that a God that you can trust? Who came to dwell with you here first and then invites you to dwell with him? There is, in the word dwell, two different meanings. The meaning of dwelling physically, the physicality of dwell, and then the mentality of dwell, to dwell on something Our family has started to try to memorize Psalm 91. And um, in doing that, we were stopped by just the first two verses. Just the first two verses talk over and over and over about dwelling. And to dwell on something is a focus. It's a positioning. So I want to look at those first two verses of Psalm 91, 1 and 2 through position, place, and Savior. If you want to turn to Psalm 91, 1 and 2, you can do that and read along. It says, he who dwells. And it's not physically. It's mentally. He who positions himself in the shelter, the place of the Most High, your Savior will abide again. You're positioned in the shadow. Remember, 
my sister just crunched up in that shadow of my mom as tight as she could to be safe and to stop being hurt. We have a bigger shadow than that in Jesus. Put yourself in that place. Abide in the shadow of the Almighty, your Savior. And then you can say, like the psalmist said, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, I have positioned myself with my Savior. Back to COVID, back to shelter in place. Our family, and maybe this was your experience too, found the first two weeks to be kind of disorienting. You know, this is so new, so strange. What do you do with this? And so you just kind of, you didn't know whether to laugh, whether to be afraid, or, you know, just what? Well, after those first two weeks, um, then we got tense. And it wasn't because of fear. It was because now it keeps backing out further. When is this going to end? You don't know what is going to stop it, how far it's going to go. And then after the tension, we got terse. We got snippy. We got mean. (laughs) You're stuck in the same house, and we felt trapped. Trapped with each other. Trapped by COVID or whatever. And uh, I remember we were taking a walk. I was still on my scooter, had my broken leg, so it was a slow walk. And the guys were just, home. We always have to be home. And all of a sudden, something switched in my brain. And I said, you guys, you know what? We like our home. It's been a nice place. Before COVID, we loved it. You wanted to get home. And I said, nothing has changed There aren't any bars on our windows. There are no bolts on our doors. We don't have a barbed wire fence around our yard. It's still home. What's changed is our mentality, our dwelling with this shelter in place. And we need to change what we're dwelling on. And so we started to be purposeful about what we were dwelling on, what we were doing to create shelter in place with Jesus instead of shelter in fear and tension and terseness. And it was awesome. And I want to tell you, your mind is so powerful, and it makes all the difference because God created your mind. And he has given you everything you need in his word to be able to dwell on him. Would you please turn with me over to 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to read 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, because our mind is the big issue. Our mind, our heart, you know, the connection between them. If you're at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, if you could just say amen. I hear one. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. 
Why? Because we have a Savior. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I want to remind you, having talked about Psalm 91, 1 and 2, verse 2 says, my refuge and my fortress. There are two different fortresses out there. There is the safe shelter of Jesus, the trustworthy, never lying shelter of Jesus. And there is the world that gives you all kinds of fortresses that gives you vaccines or money or power or politics, any number of things they want to tell you are going to be your fortress. They're not. Jesus is the only fortress. And his divine power, his blood, his name, his body, his faith and love and hope and mercy and grace are your powerful divine weapons for the destruction of fortresses. Verse 5 We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Take your thoughts captive. Whatever you have to do, take them captive to Jesus, your fortress, your shelter. I'm going to share with you a few examples of stories where they weren't going through COVID, but they were going through something terrible. And I want, to sh- want you to notice what it is that they do to get through that situation, because it's the same thing we have to do now. The first one, if you want to turn with me, is in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 1 and reading through verse 6. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city... Behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, and their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Feel that for a moment. You think you've been having it bad staying in your home for months. David didn't have a home anymore. All the men with him didn't have a home anymore, and they didn't have family Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. This was terrible. Now David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. We're people. We like to blame something. They decided David was the one. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. This is a terrible situation. 
for David, for these men. And what does David do? But, but he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's what David does. But, doesn't matter. My wives are gone. My children are gone. My home is gone. But I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord my God. And a couple of verses later, we see that then he asks the priest to bring the ephod, and he questions God, and he asks him, shall I go after them? Will I recover everyone? And I just want you to notice, that's not what he did first. That wasn't strengthening himself in the Lord. Strengthening himself in the Lord, we have a whole book of psalms about strengthening yourself in the Lord, dwelling on who God is how faithful he is, how loving he is, how creative he is, how forgiving and merciful. That's what David did. He dwelt on who God was, and then he asked what he should do. Our next story is in Acts 16. Acts 16, verses 22 through 25. And I want to just set the stage for this story just a little bit. They're in Thyatira. Paul and Silas have been preaching, and they were followed by a young woman, demon-possessed, who was the servant of men, and they, they, they earned money through her because she would tell fortunes and things like that. And Paul got sick and tired of it, and he said, go out of her. In the name of Jesus Christ, be gone. And she wasn't demon-possessed anymore. And this is what happens. Acts 16, verse 22, And the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks. Terrible situation. They were out preaching. They weren't asking for this. And they're beaten, and they're thrown in prison, and not just prison, they're thrown in the depths of the prison with their feet locked in stocks. You can't even move. But, (laughs) that is so cool to me, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And we know what happens. We know that, obviously, prisoners are converted because they didn't run away when the earthquake came. And we know that the jailer and his family are converted. Amazing things God does when we strengthen ourselves in him, when he is our shelter in place. The last story that I want to tell you happened during covid Um, I have a good friend who asked myself and several others to pray about a, um, a family whose child was really sick. Their names are John and Alex, and they have several children, but their youngest, uh, having respiratory problems, I think, from about the time he was born, they noticed him being limp and unresponsive, They did CPR. They took him to the hospital. At the hospital, they put him on a respirator. 
and it wasn't due to COVID. It was due to his other problems. And so we prayed for three days for John and Alex and their baby. And on the third day, We got a message that the doctor said he's brain dead and you have to decide when to take him off of the life support. And that was really hard to hear. Jim and I made a similar decision to that with our daughter and to hear somebody else go through it breaks your heart again. But, yep, but with that announcement also came where they were dwelling. They said the hymn, It Is Well, with my soul is where we are dwelling. We know that Jesus is our hope and our strength. Whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul. Amen. Amen. And if you want to remember, John and Alex, in your prayers, she and he could continue to use prayers because just because you dwell in Jesus in that horrible moment doesn't mean that Satan's not going to continue to roar at you and try and get you to disbelieve that Jesus is your shelter. And Jesus is. In the desert, they were bitten by serpents. And that directly shows us our sin. We're all bitten. And in the desert, it was a bronze cross with a bronze serpent on it. And it came down through history to a cross with Jesus on it, carrying all of our sins. He wasn't a sinner, but he took all of our sins. And it killed him. But he said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And he said, it's finished. No more of this sin stuff. I'm hope. I'm the shelter. I'm the place. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Just crunch down under that shadow. It's much bigger than my mom's. I will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. To close, I just want to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask a few questions. And I just want you to take your time with Jesus to answer those questions between you and him. First of all, is he your shelter in place? Do you boldly believe Jesus Do you want your thoughts to be captive to Jesus so that in any situation you say, but I will strengthen myself in the Lord?
do you want to fight with his divine power, with his weapons? Father in heaven, thank you so much for loving us so much that you would come down here and dwell with us, that you would shelter in this ugly place, in this place full of sin and hurt. Thank you that through it all you showed us a different way. You showed us that your Father and you are love, that you're trustworthy, that you're good and merciful, that you are saving. I want to commit my heart to you, Lord, and I'm sure that each one of the people here want to again commit their hearts to you, asking you to do what you've said. It is God who is at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work your good pleasure in us, Jesus. Keep us, help us to always shelter in your place. In your name I pray, amen. I know it's written funny in the bulletin because I didn't know that the books here were red. In my home church, they were purple. Um, But the number of the last one is 205, and it's the same as the special music that Brant and I sang. But sheltering has the same meaning as hiding place, and so I thought, let's all sing it together. You are my hiding place. And if you don't want to use the books, oh, I forgot a few slides. There's the words. typical for the person who gives a sermon to go to the back 
and shake hands or whatever. But this isn't about me. And I want to invite you, if you want to, I'm going to just sit down in front here. And if any of you want to come and tell me about your shelter in place, meaning your butt, I strengthened myself in the Lord this way. If you want to come talk about Jesus, I invite you to do that. And if you don't, everybody can leave at their own good time.